Costs to originate keep rising, even with more technology in the industry. The problem is the core platform. A new LOS can re-architect the process around data, not humans moving paper files. Vesta has built this LOS, and you can learn more at Vesta.com. Welcome, everyone. Today, I'm joined by Editorial Director Tracy Velt to talk about real estate companies who have grown through previous challenging economic cycles and the innovative approaches agents and brokers are taking now in this housing market. Tracy, welcome back to the podcast. Thanks for having me. As always, love talking to you. And we have some really interesting things to talk about today. I wanted to talk about your Against All Odds survey, which is fascinating right now. It's really looking at people who, um, firms, brokerages that have been successful um, over many years. So tell us a little bit about how, how you did that and what you found. Sure. So we actually did this um, study in 2014, and we looked at all of the data that Realtrends collects with the Realtrends 500 um, ranked brokerage firms. So we looked at from um, 2002 and we compared that to 2011 because we felt that that was when the recovery was kind of the end of the recession and the start of the recovery from the, the great recession. And that was a really tough time for a lot of brokerage firms, obviously, because the, um, you know, it was really about the housing market. So we looked at the firms based on three different measures of success. And we looked at the firms that increased the total number of sales professionals. Um, And at the time, the national number of realtors was shrinking. Um, We looked at the total number of closed transactions. And this is all between 2002 and 2011. And then we looked at the firms that were able to increase their per person productivity during that time. Um, And that really, those are really important in measuring the health of a brokerage company. And we found that um, only 17 firms uh, were able to increase all three. But what's really interesting is that 25% of the um, brokerage firms by 2011 25 of them were no longer on, um, no longer firms, either they had been bought out or they went out of business. So we, we, there were really 76% or 379 firms that um, survived that great recession that were on the real trends 500, which is really pretty good. That's 76%. And it really speaks to kind of the fortitude of real estate um, owners. But these 17 companies, the interesting part was when we were calling them, they did not know that they were as successful as they were. So that was really the interesting part. Um, You know, they were so focused on their business and, you know, they knew they were doing well, but they did not realize how well they were actually doing. So the lessons that were learned during that time in the skills and the activities that these companies did are really relevant to today's market as well and can give real estate brokers kind of a leg up in where to focus their business and and that in the current market. Um, So Steve Murray, um, he's a senior advisor to HW Media, and he was the founder of Real Trends and the author of that first um, report against all odds, did an update on what we found out with those brokerages and what... um, 
you know, where the opportunities are for real estate brokers today. What were some of the the things that you found? So you guys outlined, you know, especially three different things, you know, in in his summary. Mm -hmm. And I'd love for you to go over those because like you said, this is so relevant for today. Yes. So um, it really boils down to three main overarching um, items. And that's be intentional with your planning and focus. Um, Get closer to your agents and act and be strategic in your planning. Um, and, And we'll break that down a little further because there are really four activities that real estate brokerages should be discussing with their leadership teams and should be really focusing on right now. The very first, and again, these are all lessons learned during the Great Recession that completely apply to today's market. Um, The first one is retraining agents. Um, Basically, in today's market, there are a lot of new agents who have never really been through a slower market, and they don't have the skills that are necessary to compete in this market. And the same was true in in the real estate boom and ultimate bust um, in 20. 06 to 2008. Um, now the brokerages should really be focusing on how to train their agents to um, reach out to their sphere of influence, how to teach them how to prospect, teach them how to uh, market properties and market themselves, and really focus on the new skills that these agents need, um, including positive mindset, because there's so much negative information out there, but there are so many opportunities to be had in this market as well. Um, The next one is is offering lifelines for small and medium-sized firms. This is a huge opportunity for for larger brokerage firms who can do walkovers in their local market of smaller firms that perhaps have a broker who is the main producer for the office. And it's, you know, just a really... reaches out to them and also you can you can roll them in very easily into your firm. Um, the next is engage in deep thinking about your business. And this is even more important than ever today with all of the threats with the commission lawsuits and the possibility of of losing um, buyer business. Uh, 30 to 40 percent is what is projected should the uh, worst case scenario come out in the, in the current commission lawsuits. So engage in deep thinking about your business and, and what are you doing to prepare for that um, is, is super important. But in, will, we will be, uh, I've been doing interviews with several different thought leaders uh, around the industry about exactly those things that brokerages can do to prepare for uh, the you know the industry moving forward, so that will be on real trends probably within the next two weeks. Finally, over communicate, and this is something I hear a lot uh, if from agents. Like I don't hear enough from my broker. I don't, and brokers, you know, the brokers are like, but I send out an email. I have a weekly meeting. I you know like they do a lot. Um, and the truth is you have to have many, many different forms of communication and um, be reassuring without offering false promises and providing real value to your agents um, right now. I think this is one of the things that is just um, 
it seems so obvious, but <laughs> it's the execution that's so hard, which is over communicating and also communicating in the way that people, uh, you know, want to be communicated with and will respond to. And that's something that, you know, you have to do throughout this industry, whether you're talking about the clients that you want or your or your own staff. And I feel like one of the things that I got out of reading the article and then reading the white paper was that even if you think you're doing a good job, your team may not feel the same way. Absolutely. Um, and, and there are different things that brokers can do, um, which I, in fact, I interviewed a broker recently who does appreciation parties and he offers, he basically pays for them and offers and does the marketing for them and then encourages his agents to also invite people to these. So he has crossing guard appreciation. He has teacher appreciation, first responder appreciation, military appreciation, where he does these events um, in the community and he doesn't actually do them uh, for business. He does them to get closer to his agents, to get closer to the community and really give back to the people who support his business. And so there be, think, be creative, think outside the box. It's not just communicating through emails and text messages and meetings, um, you know, provide opportunities for your agents to get together um, with you uh, and, and get together with the community as well. I love that. And this really falls in line with some of the other things that you and I've talked about before on this podcast and that you guys are reporting on, which is like, how do you help people have the right mindset? How do you keep people who haven't been through this before engaged and really doing the work that they need to do to get out of it when, you know, it can, it can seem really depressing. It can, but with a clear path forward, um, it could be a lot less intimidating and with the right skills, um, agents, agents can really thrive. And there have been a, you know, quite a few agents. In fact, we were just doing some research on some agents who have been on the rankings since, 2000, I think we looked at 2005 moving forward and what did they do to thrive? And I can't tell you the number of brokers who started their business during the Great Recession and are thriving today. So mindset is is really important, but I think giving them the tools that they need will change that mindset quickly as they as they start to build the foundation for their business moving forward. I think that having those kind of really real world examples of that guy who has like crossing guard appreciation, I promise you, I've never thought about that in my life. I I appreciate them, but I would not have thought of having a party for them. But what a great way to really connect with people and who are going to remember you like you could send a flyer to their house, totally different then having that connection of like something that you've chosen to do with your time, they're recognizing. I mean, when when someone needs a real estate agent, seriously, who are they going to go with? It reminds me yeah. of the person that, you know, you talked about how they dressed up as the Grinch and they and they went yeah. around, she and her kids. I mean, there are some creative <laughs> people out there. Yes, there are. Yeah. And um, that agent, uh, Kristen Green, she, we, we wrote about her on Real Trends. Um, she does a lot of different things. And one of them that I do love is her her Grinching. So she has two young kids. She dresses like the Grinch and they dress like the, the Who's. 
And they go to they go door to door um, in the neighborhood that she farms and drop off little a little goodie bag with maybe some candy and um, some all branded to her and her company. Uh, And she you know, it's it's um, kind of. Uh, ding dong dash where you where you leave the basket <laughs> except for she doesn't she doesn't always dash sometimes she waits and hands it to them to talk to them and it it's just a way to really build those relationships and get to know people so it's important for brokers to do that with their agents and it's important for agents to do that with um, in the community as well and having a, a servant's heart especially in today's market is, is really important. It's all about providing value and providing solutions to people who are maybe going through a really difficult time. Maybe they're not um, buyers right now, but um, building that foundation will ensure that they look to you, um, you know, when, when they do, uh, you know, get a, get to that next level. You know, that um, door-to-door part is just uh, such a, it's such a difficult thing to do. And especially now, I love the idea of that they're dressing up and there's a kid involved because otherwise, like, why are you going to answer the door? I mean, people don't even answer the phone that the last thing they want to do, unless you're like, you're a delivery person for Amazon or DoorDash or FedEx or something like, I mean, people just don't answer their doors. So you have to get around that some way. And I know that, you know, we talked, um, we did a whole series uh, on real estate agents who had been through um, the Great Recession and had done a great job. Uh, in the middle of COVID. So right when we were having COVID shutdowns, we did a series on how people had, had tackled it under the, after the great financial crisis. And this one guy, you know, in New York city, in Long Island city, actually, he was, he, he was a, a transplant to that. He did not grow up there. He was not from there. People didn't, you know, look at him and go, Oh yeah, he's Joe from down the block. And so he went door to door and had this whole, um, you know, strategy to do that. But like, that's a really difficult thing to do. People don't generally even answer their doors. Yeah. And it's not for everyone. And um, in fact, I did a podcast recently uh, with Lee Davenport. She's a coach and um, she talked about personalities and how important it is for agents and really for brokers to communicate and to market themselves based on their personality. Not everyone is going to want to go door door knocking, but everyone can find that one thing that they are really good at and comfortable doing. Um, and like I said, door knocking is definitely not for everyone. I would never go out door knocking. I might go grinching and leave it and just <laughs> ring the doorbell and run. But um <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> so it's it's about finding that that one thing that that you do best as well. You know, this um is a great transition to another story I wanted to talk to you about on Real Trends called How LOs Get Into a Real Estate Agent Circle. So LOs there being loan officers. Um, how how do loan originators get into a real estate agent circle? And you know, as the housing market has slowed. This is this is a big deal. Referral partnerships are huge right now. And, you know, whoever's getting to the borrower first, you want to be able to make sure you're getting a great handoff for your client. But also, like, that's how you're getting your business now more than ever. So I thought this was a great um, article written by Brooklyn Han. So uh, tell me a little bit about some of the relationship things she talks about there. Yeah, well, the one, the story I loved the most was um, the the lead that she has, which is a Keller Williams agent who typically doesn't include Wells Fargo on her lender recommendation list. Um, but 
When mortgage rates started rising, Wells had a rate lock product that she was she really liked. And so she um, I think she had several of her clients transition from the builder's lender lender to Wells Fargo um, because they were able to lock in when rates were in like the four percent range. And so just having that product available saved her clients a good chunk of change when rates went back up. Um, so it's not just about the product, but that is a huge consideration. It's it's about the relationship too. And, the, and having that loan officer who, um, you know, the, whose customer service is A plus is, is really important to agents. And I'm sure for, for LOs, it's really important to have a responsive agent as well. And someone who is you know, easy to work with and provides all the information that they need in a timely manner. Listen, this relationship, we know this is whether it's, you know, lender to realtor, real estate agent for lenders, for title, for, I mean, this is a relationship business. And as you're talking to someone, they're like, oh, no, no, you don't want to go with them. You want to go with X, Y, or Z. That at that moment is all that, you know, your, your client has, has, partnered with you as a professional, they're looking to you for this. So at that moment when you're like, no, no, we want to do this, no matter what the lender has done uh, as far as advertising, or you just think about the massive amounts going into that, it really comes down to what does the agent say about the lender at that moment, in my opinion? Yes. And and I did, um, I visited an office in Tampa where we discussed this very topic. And um, the, the brokerage has a mortgage company. And so we were talking to some of the agents who don't really use their mortgage company. And, and what I found is that agents are very, um, loyal to the loan officers who can, you know, who work with them the best and who are going to serve their customers the best. So it's then they're really it's really difficult to get them to change as well. Um, you know, it, it really takes a product, I think, to get them to change. At least that's what they were saying. Well, if we had a product that caused us to change, we would change. But they loved their LO so much that they were not interested in changing. Um, and again, it's it's because of the relationship that they had. It's because of the customer service that they offered. It's because of the, um, you know, just the the ease of the transaction. Yeah. And, you know, in that story, they talked about, listen, if if you have a lender who's just working, you know, eight to five or nine to five, and, you know, it's not something that can happen on a weekend, or if there's a, a question or, you know, things are coming down to the wire. And I think I think that goes for all the partners in the transaction. Like you want to work with people, you know, that, you know, you can pick up the phone and they're going to be responsive and they're going to get the results you want. Yeah. Especially since real estate agents don't keep bankers hours. Um, you know, they're, they're out on the weekends. They need to, they need someone they can call and get an answer from, um, at night during the, you know, during the weekends. Um, so, so that's really important to, to be available. I think, you know, it's, it's a relationship business. Real estate is a relationship business, but so is lending. And it's just interesting that right now, you know, it's the relationship with the clients, it's the relationship between each other too. And I think that that's an opportunity. Like we, we talk about, oh, these are all the ways you're going to get to know your clients, like doing these parties or doing these door drops. But 
you know, getting getting that relationship with the with your other referral partners is just as important. And I think that, you know, that's what we're seeing now is that there's really a ramp up of that kind of thing. Uh, like, how do I get those great partners? Yeah. And I, I just find that, um, you know, one of the keys is to be a giver. Um, you can't expect your LO to, you know, go above and beyond if you're not also willing to go above and beyond or, um, you know, really it's all about providing value to the other person and, and serving your, your client. And so it's really important that you give rather than just take. And I think that's in a relationship standard period, no matter who you are, um, you know, whether it's a, a broker to an agent or an agent to a, a buyer or seller or an LO to an agent. Um, it, it's, it's really important to, to be able to cultivate that relationship. You also have to be providing some sort of value to them. And I don't necessarily mean monetary value. It could be informational value. Um, and, and so that's part of it as well. I think this is even more challenging right now as as the um, story noted that if you're a, a real estate agent, you've been working with people for a long time, some of those people have lost their jobs. Some of the you know firms you worked with, they might be out of business. And so it's a time where you have to go find new referral partners, right? New people to work with. And I think that one of the things that you said um, in the in the white paper that Steve talked about, like what really characterized um brokerages that did well is their educational opportunities. And I think the same goes for lenders. If they're doing seminars for first-time home buyers, that's a great place for you to bring your client. Yeah. And just doing seminars for agents as well on the different loan products available. Many of these agents have never heard, you know, they they maybe have heard of ARMS, but they don't really know what it entails. They don't know what a buy-down is. They don't understand some of the products that are available to their, their um, buyers. And so, you know, just going into brokerages and, and offering that education is, is really important right now. I think that is such a great thing. You know, I had, um, I had on a, a credit expert a couple of, oh gosh, a, a month ago now on the podcast. And she's, she was a real estate agent that, you know, I mean, she was a loan officer that walked into real estate brokerages and was like, Hey, do you have anybody who wants to buy a house but you know has has bad credit? Um, let me talk to him. And uh, boy, you talk about a value add, and yeah. A way to really, you know, it's like, yeah, I do. And and then here's somebody that they can now go to, and she's solved a problem for both of them. Absolutely, so important. I I was reminded of this uh, yesterday. Uh, we published a story about uh, Redfin now adding zoning and land use data on uh, more than 70 million homes, right? And I thought how valuable that is to real estate agents because, you know, if people are looking to buy a home now and they're, they have a lot of questions about the zoning, like, can I can I use this as, um, can I rent out one of the rooms for, you know, Airbnb? Can I build an ADU in the back? And these are uh, questions that are really hard to find the answers for in a lot of places. It's not obvious as you, the home buyer, and maybe not even to that realtor. So I thought that was really interesting, a value add that um, real estate agents could use to be helpful to the buyers. Absolutely. I mean, especially in today's market or today's um, environment, I would say more people are looking into um, Airbnb or ADUs, uh, accessory dwellings, 
and different ways to use their property. So, you know, any type of, of data like that that you could provide to consumers and to agents is is really important today because I think, you know, the market is is changing and I don't necessarily I'm not talking about the the market as a whole. I'm talking about the the way people do business, the way people what they do with their houses um, is changing as well. And having that information at your fingertips is really important, especially if you're considering buying a house and want to want to make money from it later on through renting out an uh, you know an accessory dwelling or or at Airbnb. Well, and I know of a, a real estate agent that we talked to on another podcast where her whole business model is talking to um, is helping buyers figure out how they can buy a house. And also get a loan for an ADU in the back so that they can afford the house. And and uh-huh. she has a whole business model around that because she has uh, a company that does the will build the ADU or renovate whatever needs to happen. And she knows how to get how to help them get loans so that they can buy this property which has a house on it, put the ADU on it, and then be able to you know generate income from their own property. So I I think it's just an opportunity for people who can see outside the box. Yeah, and that's a perfect example of someone who is creative in the way they're doing business and their niche that they're doing business, um, which is really important to differentiate yourself through this market. Um, I know another agent who saw that a change might be coming over a year ago. So she really started marketing to seniors who were transitioning and offering services to help them with you know, with that transition from helping them with storage units or helping them declutter um and now it's paying off in in listings for her and it's all because she set that foundation and was looking and acting strategically looking ahead I love that it really comes back to you know the white paper that we're talking about the study that you guys did because it's like finding a niche you know figuring out how you can provide value in a whole different way. This is not just like easy pickings. This is not low-hanging fruit. This is really changing your business in a way that that is going to help you in the end. But in the beginning, you're you're doing a lot of helping. Yeah, absolutely. And and you're not going to see a huge payoff in a month or two. This is setting yourself up so that you don't have to worry about what the market's doing um, in, in such a deep way. Uh, you, you instead are setting yourself up to be to really thrive throughout. Um, it, another broker I just recently interviewed um, really is going hard into property management because property management, while it is difficult and it's a very different business, um, it is a way to recession-proof your brokerage because people are always going to be renting. Um, and so that's another another way to kind of prepare yourself is building up that like one type of business within your brokerage. I love all these ideas. And we are really focused on giving... Um, you know, getting as many of these out onto housing war, out onto real trends as possible right now, because we want to help people as they're looking to grow their business in a very challenging time. So really appreciate you being on Tracy and sharing some of that with us. Yeah, well, thanks for having me on. Of course. And um, anything we should be looking forward to that you guys are going to be reporting on next? Uh, the commission lawsuits would like I said, we're going to be 
um, talking about how brokers should be thinking strategically about their business moving forward in a worst case scenario. Um, you know, the first case goes to court in February. And while it'll likely set the tone for the remaining um, lawsuits, it'll also end up, no matter what, going through appeals and, and won't be something that will be implemented immediately. However, smart brokers are already thinking about what they can do to prepare and to, um, you know, adjust their business model so that it's not going to be a huge hit for them. So that article will be out in the next two weeks. Ooh, we will be looking forward to that. Thank you so much, Tracy. And we'll talk to you soon. All right. Thanks. How have the 2022 housing market forecast changed? Or how is the industry navigating the shift to a purchase-driven market? HousingWire's premium content program, HW+, answers questions like these and offers a variety of member-exclusive benefits that are tailored to what you need to stay competitive and agile in today's fast-paced market. Go to housingwire.com forward slash membership to join today. With your HW Plus membership, you get access to longer-form digital content, the HousingWire magazine, member-exclusive rates to in-person events like HousingWire Annual, and more. Thanks for listening to HousingWire Daily. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to take a minute to rate the show and leave a comment. And make sure to tune in tomorrow for more news and insight.